If you have your Bible, jump into John chapter 15. We're going to read the first 11 verses together. And uh, we're going to dive into uh, verse 4 and 5 tonight. We've made it to verse 4. But we're going to jump in. Let's read it together. I have it up on the screen as well, but here's how it starts. I am the true vine. Jesus is talking here. He's in the context of the 11 disciples that are in front of him, not the 12, because we have known that at this point, Judas has left the room. And it's the 11. And he looks at them and says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. This is your uh, memory verse. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. We talked about that last week. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this. Here you go. This is it. That you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. We're going to camp out there and we're going to end our time right there. Just as the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's command and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Uh, Here's a truth I want us to start out with. And it's right there on the front of your talk sheet. It's simply this. This is the vine you are connected to determines the fruit you bear. The vine that you are connected to determines the fruit that you bear. So we're starting, these next two talks are all about bearing fruit. I'm only going to get to three out of the seven tonight, but I'm setting up uh, setting up the word really well. I'm hoping I'm praying really hard that I'm setting up the word really well for it to do its work in us and convict us of some things that maybe we need to be convicted of. But here's the thing. Here's the reality. Your life and the fruit that you bear, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that as we go, is ultimately determined by the branch or the vine that you are connected with. If we look back in, ver- in, in our first session together, we talked about how there are false vines in our life. And many of us attach ourselves to our identity. We attach ourselves to our uh, job or our athletic team. Our identity is found in those things. They are not found in the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus says that I am the true vine, that's what he is saying. All the others are false. I'm the true vine. And however you are connected to that vine, false or true, ultimately is the fruit that you bear in your life. It's not hard to think about, and we're going to come back to it at the very end. It's not hard for you to think about the fruit that you bear in your life. And what you are producing in your life, the fruit that's coming out of you, is a reflection of what vine you are connected to, to use the analogy that Jesus is talking about. And so here's the challenge for tonight. Are we producing good fruit or bad fruit? right? The bad fruit, obviously, we, 
you know, we learn in Scripture, Jesus is going to cut it off, right? He's going to prune us and take it away from us. And so as we dive in, as we kind of dig a little bit here, I really want us to think about the fruit that we are bearing in our life. Think about it. Think about the fruit. And as we walk through this thought tonight, or the next two talks that we have together, I really want us to take an honest assessment. It's not hard. It's not going to be rocket science for you to figure out what the fruit that's bearing out of your life. It won't take long for you to figure it out. But I'm hoping that you would hear God's word tonight and maybe some of the things you are doing or not doing, maybe you would feel convicted or repent and change the direction and seek to allow the Lord to prune you in such a way that you start bearing more fruit for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're headed tonight. And so um, point number one is that abiding in Jesus does not produce nor does it allow ungodly behavior. That's called bad fruit. Abiding in Jesus does not produce, nor does it even allow for ungodly behavior. It's called bad fruit. How do you know if you're connected to a false vine? How do you know? Because of the bad fruit that comes out of your life. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 7, and verses 16 and 18. He says this, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus knows that. He's calling it out in all of us. How, will we, how do we know that you're connected to a false vine, true vine, Jesus? No, Jesus. It's by the fruit that you bear, what comes out of your life. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. I like how Jesus makes it so simple. In other words, if you're connected to Jesus, what's going to come out of Jesus is not bad fruit. That ought to blow your mind real quick. Because some of us justify our fruit as ungodly. Oh, it's okay. Jesus is okay with me with doing that. Really? In that case, it is not true fruit coming from the true vine of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus would never allow ungodly behavior to come out of our lives. God would not allow it. The vine dresser would not allow it. And there's no room for him in that reality of him to even allow sin to be in his presence. And so if you're seeking ungodly behavior in your life, ungodly bad fruit in your life, Y'all, I got to be telling you, it ain't coming from Jesus. It ain't coming from him. And so think about it. Is your life produce bad fruit? Here's the reality. We all know bad fruit when we see it. Isn't that true? We all know bad fruit when we see it. We don't want to be around it because bad fruit stinks. You ever not let a banana just go sour on the, uh, you know, on the counter? It gets all squishy and mushy and you, know, and you try to peel it and it stinks up the whole house. Can I get an amen? Have y'all tried to do that? although they're really great for smoothies. But you know what I mean? It is one of those fruits that if it goes bad, it goes real bad, real bad. And the reason why it goes real bad is because it's disconnected from the vine. It's disconnected from the plant. A banana by itself does not last very long, right? Same thing with any fruit that goes bad. Any fruit that goes bad. We don't want to be around it. And it's the same thing in 
in our lives. If your life is producing bad fruit, I could tell you, you stink. I love you enough to tell you that. But if you are producing good fruit in line with who Jesus is, there is a sweet aroma, as the Bible would tell us, a sweet aroma that's coming out of your life. And it's something that's contagious and something that people want to be around. Many of us justify our ungodly behavior. And guess what? It stinks. It stinks to the people around you. It stinks in your own heart, in your own life. And so I I really want to challenge you and to literally come alongside you. Is your life producing bad fruit? Yes or no? There's no or here. It's either yes you are or no you're not. And if you find yourself looking at your life and thinking about some of the things that you're doing, you're justifying your ungodly behavior, I can tell you it's not from Jesus and you need to change. Point number two, this is where the good news happens. That was the bad news. We got the bad news out of the way. You ready? Now we're jumping into the good news. Point number two, fruit comes from a genuine abiding relationship to Jesus. Not to anything else, to Jesus. Fruit is the evidence of abiding. It's the evidence of abiding. Jesus talks about that as we read in our passage. It says, just as my Father has loved me, I so love you. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. How do, what's the evidence of a discipleship? What's the evidence of being connected to the vine, the true vine of Jesus? Is the fruit that comes out of your life. That's how you know it. It's not rocket science. It's really easy. You know, it's not mystical. You don't have to guess. It's whatever comes out of your life. So what is godly fruit? I'm glad you asked. What is godly fruit? Some of us will probably go immediately to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But that's only one part, one aspect of bearing fruit. There's so much more to bearing fruit that is in line with who Jesus is, the very character and nature of who he is. Fruit number one, you ready to this? Fruit number one is repentance. Fruit number one is repentance. Genuine repentance. Now, I want to be very clear what repentance is because many of us get it wrong. There's a difference between repenting of our sin and repenting of our consequences. And many of us believe that if I just repent of the consequences, I'm good and I'm okay. But in reality, true godly repentance is a repentance over the sin, the sorrow for the sin in your life, not just sorry for the actions. Oh, I'm sorry I did that. And so many of us, we, we are quick to, the best way to d- describe it is you will tell your parents, I'm sorry, really fast so that you avoid the consequences in your life. You're repenting of the consequences. You're not repenting of your action and the sin that was behind your action. Do everybody, you, you smell what I'm stepping in here? There's a difference here. And the Bible talks about how repentance is a godly sorrow. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. That's pretty strong. What God is looking for in a truly repentant heart 
is one that would shift their mind and their heart and their life away from the sin and seek to do godliness. They would really like say, I'm sorry for lying. I would, I'm sorry for, God, I repent of ever stealing from anybody. And you would change that and avoid, your, many of us are like, I don't want to get out of jail, free card, that kind of thing. But no, there's a deep-rooted sin. And does that, does that stir your heart? The fact that you sinned against God, you sinned against other people in your life. And are you willing to own up to that and to repent and to change the direction of your heart and your life in that? Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says this, For this reason we also, since the day we heard about it, have not ceased praying for you and asking that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share the inheritance of the saints. In other words, there is something that happens on the other side of true, godly, sorrowful, sinful repentance that produces in us more fruit, more godly fruit. There's a perseverance that comes. There's a patience that comes. There's a wisdom that comes on the other side of that. You're just not getting out of jail free card. There's something that produces a fruit that comes out of your life when you truly repent of the sin and are sorry for the sin in your life. Does the fact that you sin bother you? Does it bother you? It's a hard thing to realize. But someone who is abiding in the vine, abiding with Jesus, one of their first things is going to be a life of repentance. The fruit that comes out is going to be a, I'm sorry, God, for the sin in my life. And I want to do something about it. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change the direction. How many of you know the definition of repent? Let me talk about that. I've talked about the difference. Of, but repent literally means to do a 180, not a 360, a 180. I was headed this direction. I see the sin in my life. I've been a part of that sin. I'm done with it. I'm going to repent of that sin. I'm going to change the direction, and I'm going to start walking in a different direction, ultimately toward Jesus. And I think our lives as teenagers, as high school students, there are days when we get it right and there are days we don't get it wrong. And having a heart of repentance is not just a one-time deal. It's probably going to happen multiple times in your life. And every single time that you repent, every single time you change the direction, you get closer and closer to be more like Jesus because he's doing the pruning that he promised he would do. Repentance, one of the fruits that come out of our life. And just realize that on the other side of repentance is obedience and a determination to say no to ungodliness. To say no to ungodliness. That's one fruit. Fruit number two. You ready? Fruit of repentance. And now fruit is spiritual attitudes. This is the one that everybody's like, ah, I know this one. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh 
with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking or envying each other. But the fruit of the Spirit is, let's all say it together, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hey, these things right here, a lot of us, especially if you've been around church for any length of time, you've known these verses, you know these truths, that out of my life ought to come love and joy and peace and patience. Here's the kick with all of these. It's an attitude. And guess what? It's an attitude that we find in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus loved love. He was the epitome of love. Jesus owned what it meant to have peace in his life. Every characteristic that we see in Galatians chapter 5 is a characteristic of Jesus himself. And as we pursue those types of fruits in our lives, we become more and more like Jesus. Our attitude becomes more and more like Jesus. How we look at our life, how we look at our world full of love, full of joy, full of peace. I'm patient with it. These things that come out of my heart and my life, it changes my world and changes the people around me. How, you, you know this. You have a friend who's got one of those amazing positive attitudes. And when you have someone in your life that has like a positive attitude, don't you want to hang out with them? Like, I want to go sit with them, right? You look and you're, you're walking into class and you're looking for the desk next to that person who's going to be positive. You're going to look next to that person. But if there's somebody in that class that has a bad attitude, what's going to happen? You're going to do the moonwalk and move on away, right? You're going to step out. You're going to not, you're not going to hang out with that person very long. As you pr- produce fruit of godliness, was that a good moonwalk? Was that really, is it pretty good? Um, as we produce that, I learned that back in 1980. <laughs> Michael Jackson, I learned from the best. Not some YouTube video, Michael Jackson. I saw him do it. Anyway, um, dating myself, there it was. As we produce fruit, the fruits of the Spirit, our attitude changes. Our attitude changes. Our countenance the joy of God is flowing through us. The peace of God is flowing through us. We are faithful to him, but we're also faithful to other people. We're patient with ourselves. We're also patient with each other. There's a joy about us, not joy for life and the joy for having friends and people around you. A joy that is not just happy. It's not just being happy, a joy that goes so much deeper right? And it dwells within us and it kind of comes out of us. These are the attitudes in which we are to try to cultivate. It comes out of our life as we seek to abide in Him. What's going to come out of our life is going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, justice, self-control. It's going to be there. I think one of the key ones is self-control. We all need to learn that. The ability to say no in the face of when everybody says yes. These attitudes are a mirror of the attitude of Jesus Christ. And as we produce fruit, spiritual fruit, this Galatians 5 fruit, we are ultimately reflecting not us, we're ultimately reflecting Jesus as he is the vine. And I'm just a branch. What comes out of him comes out of me. Does that make sense? That's fruit number two. Fruit number three. Here we go. Fruit number three is this. Fruit is reflective praise. A fruit that's going to come out of someone abiding in Jesus is going to be a praise for Jesus. 
The lips will declare the name of Jesus. You will glorify Jesus with your praise. I love the last song that we just sang. That's a new one to me too. That was sweet. But man, as I'm singing those words, who am I singing it to? Am I singing it to the neighbor? Am I singing it to Alan and the worship team? Am I singing it to the screen? What am I doing? I'm singing these songs. One, because I love Jesus and I want him to hear it right? Isn't that why we praise? Isn't that why we worship? And if, and if I'm truly abiding in Jesus, then I'm going to want to worship him, right? I'm going to want to glorify him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. I'm going to want to declare his praise. And maybe some of our worship is not as expressive of everybody else, but what's the condition of your heart and does it come out of your mouth? Right? Man, I, I'm I'm blown away, blown away by sometimes the attitudes that I see during worship. Are you blown away by this? Are you discouraged sometimes when you see someone over in the corner just, I ain't got it. Does that bother you as a believer? <laughs> it bothers me a little bit. I'm encouraged when I see students who are praising the Lord. It encourages my life, encourages my faith, encourages my praise. Man, that's the fruit that comes out of our life of abiding in Christ is a fruit of reflective praise. Hebrews 13, 15 says this, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice, oh, isn't that true? A sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit, there's that word again, the fruit of lips praising his name. Do your lips uh, display the fruit of praise? You thought that this talk would be, it's all about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's all the fruit I need to know, but that's not true. A true abiding relationship with Christ is going to bear a lot of fruit, a lot of fruit. And it's more than just an attitude. It's a deep understanding of repentance. It's a deep praise that comes out of our lives. Man. Here are two takeaways for the night. I'm going to cover the other four fruits next time. Two takeaways. You ready? This one's solid, right? A good crop does not come overnight. Do you understand the analogy there? Do you understand the analogy? It's going to take time to produce fruit, y'all. The fruit that I'm talking about is not going to come overnight. It's not. One, because we're sinful and we don't always get it. And it takes a little bit. Some of us are more hard-headed than others, right? It's going to take a little bit for us to get to that place where we're seeing the fruit that comes out of our life. Some of us are on the journey of pruning. And it's going to take a little bit. The Lord's going to remove some things that you think are good. He's going to remove those things from your life. He's going to cause you <laughs> to take a couple of steps back so that you can take five steps forward. Good crops take time. Good fruit takes time. And some of us who are teenagers who desire to have it right here, right now at my fingertips are get really frustrated by that because God's not doing it in the time that you would want. But here's the reality. As a 14 to 18 year old, there is so much more life that God has for you 
And one of the attitudes is patience, right? And I just need to be patient with what God is going to do in the journey of my life. But I'm going to make myself available for him to do whatever he wants in my life such that I will bear more fruit and become more like Christ in my life. Takeaway number two, we are not, not producing fruit to please ourselves, but to glorify God and to serve others. It's not about you. There's that phrase again. It's not about you, y'all. The fruit that's coming out is not so that you can pat yourself on the back and say, hey, I'm a super Christian. <laughs> Look at me. I'm faithful. Look at me. No, y'all. No. It's not about you. Never has been. It's about the vine. Right? You're a branch. We're just a branch producing fruit. Where does the nourishment, where does the life come from? It doesn't come from the branch, it comes from the vine. And it's ultimately Him in our life. It's not about you guys. Never has been, never will be. I want to read the verse again later. In John 15, it says this, My Father is glorified in this, that you bear fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I'm going to come back to the question. What fruit are you bearing in your life? 